is going on? Next level church. Unbelievable. Okay, Tom, congrats, man. That's awesome. You went upside down. My vote, personally, though, no offense, brother, my vote was that we mail the two Islands of Adventure tickets to the duffer who jumped from space. What is going on with that guy? Like, for real, we watched Mike jump out of a little bitty airplane 10,000 feet in the air. Some duffer rides a balloon into space. And then it's like, one, two, and they're like, he has a 38-point checklist to go through before he jumped. Well, what happens if, like, on number 29, it doesn't check? What do you do now? Wait for the balloon to deflate and ride it back down? That's crazy. I say we send that duff for two tickets to anywhere he wants to go because he's been to space and jumped. That's awesome. I don't know about you, but I'm like, that's a rush. That duffer wins. You win. Congratulations. You win. Post it on some website. Oh, wait, it's everywhere because you jumped from space. I'll let it go. Hey, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Matt Keller. I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level. And man, we're so glad that you're here. This is Rush Part 4. And this week we have been talking about, well, the whole series, we've been talking about re-engaging the adventure of our life. Re-engaging the adventure of our life. And this weekend, what I want to do as we begin to move into the second half of the series is, I want us to talk this weekend about how we see the adventure differently. That if we're going to become everything God wants us to become, if we're going to live this adventure that God has created every single one of us, to live, then we've got to see the adventure differently. We've got to think about the adventure of our life differently than perhaps we've ever thought about our life before. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Specifically, we're going to talk about our thinking. And here's why. Because when it comes to our life, our thinking, the thoughts we think, and particularly the thoughts we think about ourselves, in other words, what we believe about ourselves, affects everything else in our life. Have you ever thought about that? That what we believe to be true about ourselves affects everything. Every relationship that we have, our our job, our school, if you're a student, uh, our interactions, interactions on 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 the roads, interactions in restaurants. I mean, you name it, with waiters, with, with, with anybody and everybody. Listen, everything we do, every decision we make in our life is affected by the thoughts that we think, and particularly about what we believe about ourselves. So the question for us this weekend really is, what do we believe about ourselves? What do we, down deep, believe to be true about ourselves? I mean, we all have those moments, don't we, from time to time, those moments where, you know, we... We do, we do something that's kind of, you know, boneheaded and, and you, we, we'll, you know, maybe you say it out loud, maybe you just think it in your head, you're like, oh, Matt, I can't believe, I mean, you probably don't say, oh, Matt, but you know what I'm saying, unless your name's Matt. And if so, then it's like, hey, we're the same name, that's awesome. He jumped from space. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I'm talking about, those moments where you're like, ah, you know, for me, it's funny because I actually talk to myself when I'm by myself. It, like, I'll do something and I'm like, Matt, how, come on, man. How did you do? Come on, you know better, than, right? Like, like there are these moments in time where we all kind of have this self-talk, these these thoughts that go through our head, and for, who knows where they've come from. The truth of the matter is, every single one of us, through the course of living our life, have picked up beliefs about who we actually think we are. And for some of us, those beliefs were placed on us by relatives, parents, coaches, uh, influencers in our life. 
And some of those negative and for some of us horrible things that were spoken over us have shaped the beliefs about who we believe we are, how we think about ourselves. And so here's what I want us to do this weekend in Rush Part 4. I want us to rewire some of those beliefs. Here's why. Because the good news is not only do every one of us have beliefs that we believe to be true about ourselves, but thankfully the Bible actually has some thoughts on what God thinks about us as well. And so if you have your bulletin, I would love to, for you to, to pull it out or your smartphone and you have your, the version app. You can follow along there. The notes and all the verses of what we're going to talk about this weekend are going to be right there for you to follow along. And, uh, because I want us to look at five things that the Bible says we are. Who God says you and I are. According to the Bible, who are we? What does God believe about us? Because if every one of us have beliefs about ourselves, then don't we owe it to ourselves to know what God thinks about us as well. And that's what we're going to talk about. So if you have your bulletin, I would love for you to follow along with me. Take a few notes if you want to do that. That would be great. What does God say about us? Who does God say we are? Number one, uh, if you want to write this down, according to the Bible, we are a child of God. According to the Bible, you and I are a child of God. Look at this verse. It's found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, See what great love... The Father, talking about Father God, has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And then I love this last part in the verse. Look, and that is what we are. We are children of God. What does the Bible say about us? The Bible says that you and I have been created in God's image. But watch this. Because of sin, we were separated from God. So when God created us as, as humankind, he created us in his very image. But because of, the, of sin, when sin, sin entered the human race, it created a chasm, a gap. Sin created a separation that actually caused us to become orphans. That because of our sin nature inside of us, we are actually orphans separated from God. But watch this. I love this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Look what it says. It says this. In love, he, speaking of God, predestined us, look at this phrase, for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In other words, okay, watch this. Human beings, we've been created in God's image. Sin enters the human race, and because of the sin nature inside of us, we have been orphaned from God. We are separated from God, but... Through Jesus. That's what we were talking about last weekend when we were watching so many of, of, of you get baptized in water. That was the picture we were seeing was Jesus. We were buried in our sin with Jesus and resurrected with him. Through Jesus, it says that we have the adoption of sonship. And when you go back to the original language that Ephesians 1 was written in, which is Greek, that phrase adoption of, of as sons literally means having full rights just like a natural-born son or daughter of someone in the Roman Empire. That's what it means. So, so when we read that, here's, here's the reality. You and I, think of the implications. We are a child of God. We're not orphans any longer. Well, imagine the implications, number one, if that's true. And number two, imagine the implications if you and I, followers of Jesus, 
Christians, if you will, really began to believe that at the core of our being. Imagine how that would change our worldview. Imagine how that would change everything if we really, truly believed that God is not just some faraway, out there God. He's actually a loving, gracious, heavenly Father who looks down and doesn't see us as orphans or as separated from him. When he looks down, he sees us through Christ as his very sons and daughters. Some of us, we need to get that deep into our beliefs. We need to let God just just penetrate our heart with the truth that you and I, number one, are children of God. Here's the second thing, according to the Bible, that uh, it says that we are. Number one, we're children of God. Number two, the Bible makes it clear that we are a friend of God. We are a friend of God. Jesus, during his earthly ministry in John chapter 15, was, was teaching, and he pulled his disciples together, and he's, he's really wanting to drive home this idea of who they are so that they understood, they, they would believe at their core level what their identity was in him. And, and in John chapter 15, verse 15, look what it says. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and ultimately speaking to every one of us who are readers now today as well. And Jesus says in verse 15, I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Number two, if you're taking notes, first of all, we are called a child of God. Number two, we are a friend of God. Jesus looks at his disciples and he looks at each one of us who, who are in relationship with him today. And he says, listen, you're not just servants. In other words, your relationship with God is not just based on what you do or don't do. It's not a works-based sort of thing. Does that make sense? That it's, it's not about how hard you try and, you know, you talk to some people and, you know, well, how, you know, well I feel kind of close to God because I've been doing a lot of good stuff recently and so I feel pretty good about me and Jesus, you know. And other people, you talk to them and they're like, yeah, you know, I've been kind of screwing up lately, so, man, I feel far. Okay, what Jesus is saying here is it's not about that. It's not based on that. That's a, that's a servant role. Jesus says, no, 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 I no longer call you servants. You know why? Because... Because servants don't, they haven't been let into the inner circle. They don't really understand the master's business. They think it's all based on what they do and don't do for the master. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because God's let you in. He considers you and I, think of this, a friend of God. Do you believe that? Do we, do we believe that we truly are a son and daughter of God, that we truly are a friend of God? Imagine the implications. Jesus said, you're not on the outside looking in in high school. I don't know how it was for you, but of course, being popular in high school, you know, it was like a big deal and the whole thing. And for me, I was always like right on the edge of cool. Come on, anybody else? Come on, anybody? A liar, right? Okay. I was one of those guys that like if they needed extras or stunt doubles, like I was in. Yeah, with the cool crowd, it was like, hey, we got a few extra seats. We'll have Matt come along. But man, if it was like, I was, then I was out. I was like right on the edge of cool. I always was. And, and, and so sometimes I'd be in and sometimes I'd be out. But most of the time, I just didn't know. And so everybody, you know, it was like the, our, the t- lunch tables would seat eight and I was number nine. <laughs> and so they'd all be sitting around the table, you know, talking and I'm at the other table. We'd be like, 
What? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I got my tater tots right here. I was always that guy. I was that guy on the edge of cool. But see, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, listen, when it comes to your relationship with God, you're not on the outside. You're at the cool table. You're not one step removed. You're in. He's let you in on the big thing that he is doing on the earth. Think of that. What if we believe that, you guys? Come on. Imagine how that would change us. Imagine how that would change the the decisions we make on a daily basis. Imagine how that would change the outcomes we get in our life. If we want to talk about re-engaging the adventure, then we've got to talk about what we think, what we believe to be true about ourselves. And we've got to replace old thinking and beliefs about ourselves with biblically-based thinking about ourselves. And the Bible says that we are a child of God, that we are a friend of God. Number three, the Bible says that we are of infinite worth. We are of infinite worth. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth to help them understand this idea. And we know it as the book of 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul's writing and he, he speaks directly and he says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. See, here's the thing. Because of sin, we not only were orphaned, But the Bible says that when sin entered the human race, that every single human being on planet Earth became a slave to sin. So not only were we separated from God and orphaned, but we became a slave to sin. But when Jesus came and gave his life and paid the ultimate price of laying down his life for us, when he shed his blood, that was payment enough that the blood of Jesus had the power to buy us slaves to sin and redeem us from that and set us free to life in Jesus Christ. That's what this is talking about. That you and I, listen, you are of infinite worth, the greatest price that can ever be paid. And we know this to be true because we live in America a nation where so many men and women down through the the last several hundred years have given their life so that you and I, Americans, can know what it is to be free people and live in a free land. And when I look across our nation and I see men and women who are serving in our military, I'm so humbled, I'm so honored. There's never a time when I'm in an airport that I don't see a soldier, that when I walk by as much as I can, I try and grab them and say, hey, thanks for serving our country. Thank you. You know why? Because they pay a price. There's no, which by the way, we are days away from the election. And can I just say this? We live in an amazing, amazing land. Is it perfect? No. But this nation is still the greatest nation on the face of planet earth. And if you're an American and you're a believer in Jesus, a Christian, then I want you to know something. I believe a couple of things. Number one, I believe we have a responsibility to use our voice to vote. I believe that. I believe according to the Lord, we will be in the same way that we stand up here all the time. We talk about, you know, use your gifts and your talents, your abilities, your path to serve and go. And do, we, want you to, we want you to use what you've been given to serve other people. Listen, as Americans, we've been given a voice. It's called voting. And in the same way, I would be irresponsible if I didn't use my teaching gift, if I didn't use my gift of communication that the Lord has put inside of my life. In the same way, I believe this, this strongly in my heart, as Americans, 
who are believers in Jesus, if we don't vote, it's no different than us squandering the gifts that he's placed inside of us. You know why? Because there are millions upon millions of people across the world who would give anything to have a voice in how the government does what they do. Am I angry? I don't mean to be. I just really believe this. So Christians, here's what I believe. Christians who are Americans, here's what I believe. Two things. Number one, we are responsible to vote as Christians before the Lord. We are responsible to use that gift that he's given us of having a voice in our government. We're responsible for it. And number two, we're responsible to find out what the Bible says about the issues that we're voting on. That's our responsibility. Well, Matt, are you going to stand up there and tell us what the Bible says? No. You know why? Because we are living in a land where finding out what the Bible says about the issues of our day is, has never been easier. Well, I don't know where to look. I don't know. Where, what would I, how would I do that? Okay, ready? Google. <laughs> Election issues and the Bible. <laughs> it will blow your mind. Now, let me say this. You got some spooky, kooky, weird people out there who are doing their deal. That's fine. Guess what? I believe the Holy Spirit inside of you is it will give you the, the ability to discern and go, yeah, that's a little wacky. No, thanks. Forget them. In 30 minutes, 45 minutes tops, I bet you, you can learn everything you need to know about what the Bible has to say just by Googling election issues in the Bible. In 45 minutes, I bet you you can learn everything you need to know about what the Bible has to say before next Tuesday. I, I believe you can. I believe it's our responsibility to do that. Well, wouldn't it be easier if you just tell us? I don't think so. I think this is about us figuring it out. I believe we're Christians. And I believe we Christians need to lead in our nation. Come on, let's lead. Let's lead the way. Let's lead the way. We can stand around criticizing or we can lead. Let's lead. And cut. That was good. <laughs> Number four. We are heirs. We are heirs. What does the Bible say about us? We're talking about what we believe to be true about ourselves. And we need to re replace some of us, some, some bad thinking about who we are with right thinking that comes from the Bible. And the Bible says that we are a child of God. The Bible says uh, that we are a friend of God. The Bible says that we are infinite, of infinite worth, that, we, we are, that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us so that you and I can know what it is to no longer be orphans, to no longer be separated, to no longer be slaves to sin, but be found as sons and daughters, children of the Most High God. But number four, the Bible says that we are heirs. Galatians chapter four, verse seven says it this way. Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he says, so you are no longer slaves. That's what we're talking about but God's children. And since you are his child, he has made you also heirs. In other words, there is an inheritance. You're a part of something eternally greater than you even realize or can comprehend. And here's the thing about an heir. Heirs are supposed to act differently, aren't they? 
I mean, think about it. Isn't there something in all of us that kind of cringes a little bit when we hear the story of someone who's a famous heir, like the prince of, what, of England, like that guy, whatever, Harry or William or whichever one they are, the 15th or whatever the heck they label themselves, it's fine. Okay, okay but like, no, like remember when the story came out that the duffer was in Vegas doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing or whatever it was, I don't even know, the, right? And all of us kind of saw that and we're like, why? Why were we like, why does it bother? Like, like Paris Hilton, homegirl, you're crazy. Like what is going on, right? We probably won't use this one for put on the web. That's probably a good idea, Matt. We're probably going to need to censor some of this. Anyway, but you're 430. Yeah, yeah, woo! We will boldly DVR the Gators-Georgia Bulldogs game and no better buddy tell me what the score is either. Unbelievable. And I'm serious. I'm, I, if you walk up to me and you even look like in the foyer, you're going to tell me the score. Here's what I'm going to do. La, 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 la. Don't even think about it because I'm taping it and I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat my dinner and I'm going to watch the Gators stomp on them. <sighs> Unbelievable. I am a little angry. I don't know what's going on there. Wow. Woo. Got my red shirt on. I'm all fired up. I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Okay, the good news is my wife doesn't either. Just keep going, honey. It's fine. Just go. Just go. We're all heirs. According to the Bible, we are heirs. We're a part of, a, of an inheritance, of, a, of, an, of an eternal kingdom that's greater than ourselves, the Bible says. And heirs are supposed to act differently. And see, the reason why we all cringe when we, when we see a, a, a famous heir who's not acting appropriately is because it, in those moments, somehow, some way we look on and we go, they've forgotten what they've been given. They've forgotten who they are. She forgot she's a, she's a Hilton. He forgot he's a prince. And in those moments we look on and we go, ah, oh, you're a part of something so much bigger. How could you do that? And yet, Christians, come on. How often do we find ourselves acting in a way rather than being different than the world is actually nothing but the same as the world. Heirs are supposed to act different. What about us? How does knowing that we are a son and daughter of God bought at a great price the life of Jesus affect the way we act, the way we live, the things we say, the places we go, the things we do, the decisions we make. Heirs are supposed to act different. Wouldn't we all act differently if tomorrow morning a guy showed up on your door with a certified letter that said, actually, good news, you are the long-lost grandson of Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett or someone with a lot, or the Prince of Dubai, right? How would that change your life? Oh, it wouldn't change my life at all. Liar. <laughs> that changed everything, wouldn't it? Like the woman who married Zuckerberg? Life over. Right? That's crazy. Why? Because the minute you realize you're the great-grandson of somebody and, and, and you're going to inherit several gabillion dollars, you, all of a sudden, it's like everything changed. You would behave differently because, why? Because you knew you were an heir. 
The exact same thing is true when it comes to our relationship with God. The Bible says we have become heirs. We're a part of something bigger and that should affect the way we live our life. So we are a child of God. We are a friend of God. We are of infinite worth. We are heirs. And number five, if you're taking notes, the Bible, according to the Bible, we are capable. According to the Bible, we are capable. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, here's what it says. The Bible says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Did you see it? It says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. We've been given everything we need. And I just want to encourage some of us. Listen, you've been looking on at your life and maybe there's, there's, a, there's a habit, maybe there's a hang-up of some kind, maybe there's some sin issue or a thought pattern or, or, or whatever, and you keep looking on going, man, why can't I break through this thing? Why can't I get, what is going on? Well, I don't, I'm, and you've been tempted to give up. Can I just encourage you this weekend? Listen, according to the Bible, you are capable. We are capable that His divine power, not our power, not our strength, not our ability, His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And how? How is it possible? The second part of the verse tells us, through our knowledge of him. That's why when we talk about soaping, how we study the Bible, S-O-A-P, there's information in your bulletin, how we study the Bible That's why our connection groups are so important because we get to be around others who are of like precious faith, who are striving for the same thing we are, and that is to become more like Jesus every single week, every single day of our lives. Listen, as we grow in our knowledge of him, we gain power, his power, to live the kind of life he wants us to live. So how do we re-engage the adventure of our life? Here's how by changing what we believe to be true about ourselves. And here's what I'm believing is going to happen this week. And I'm believing that there are hundreds of us, hundreds of us who have come into this place or are watching or listening online or, or a part of our service in some way. And I'm just believing that this weekend, there are going to be some lies that have been spoken over your life that you have believed since you were little to be true about yourself that are going to be broken off of your life and my life this week. That's what I believe God wants to do in this place. Matter of fact, I believe God wants to do that right now, right where we're sitting, all our services. I believe God wants to do that. Can we just bow our heads across this room? What do you believe to be true about yourself? And in light of what we've talked about over the last few minutes, how does it line up with the word of God? See, the Bible tells us that we are a child of God, that we're no longer orphans, that we are a precious son and daughter of God. The Bible tells us that we are a friend of God, not servants, not our relationship with God isn't based on works. Do you need to believe that? Do you need to change your thinking on that? 
The Bible says we're of infinite worth. Some of us, listen, I, I believe there are some of us who we have believed that we are worthless. That someone somewhere either spoke that over us or broke our heart to some degree that we have believed deep down inside of us that we have, are of little to no worth. And I want you to know that that's, that's a wrong belief. The Bible says that we were bought at a price. The blood of Jesus paid it all. Do you believe that? Bible says we are heirs. Where are your actions not lining up with the belief, with the reality that you're a part of an eternal inheritance, that you're a part of something way greater than your actions are presently showing? The Bible says that we're capable. That as sons and daughters filled with the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, the Bible's made it clear that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. We can do this. And some of us listening right now, listen, you need to let that soak into your spirit this weekend. You can do it. You can live the kind of life God wants you to live. You can become who God wants you to become. You can do what God says he wants you to do. Not in your own strength not in your own power, but by his divine power that's at work within you. So Father, right now, we pause. And Jesus, I pray in these precious, precious moments that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do, that you'd begin to rearrange the furniture of our hearts and our minds, that God, we would not leave this place this weekend believing anything but what the word of God proclaims over our lives. Jesus, I pray that that, uh, yokes of bondage, that that shackles and chains and handcuffs in the beliefs of our mind would be broken off of us this weekend, God. Break it off of us. Jesus, I pray that untrue beliefs, false beliefs would would be removed right now, right now in Jesus' name. And the truth of your word, that we are a child of God, we are a friend of God, we are of infinite worth, we are heirs, and that we are capable, would begin to fill our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God, if there's anyone who's listening this weekend in any of our services, who's not in your family, who's never said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, Lord, right now we pause and we say yes, we cross that line in our heart. It's a simple is moving the needle of our heart in your direction. We acknowledge that we're sinners and that that sin thing causes us to be orphans and slaves to sin. But we just, we just accept that what you did on the, cry, on the cross, Jesus, was payment for us. And so we just acknowledge that. We accept it in our heart right now. We believe in it and we just confess it right where we are. We just confess that out. We just say, yes, I believe. I believe that to be true. And the Bible says that when we confess that and believe it in our heart, that everything changes, that the old is passed on, washed away, and all things in our life become new. No longer an orphan, no longer a slave, but a son and daughter of God. So Lord, we pray these things because we believe them.
And I pray that our lives will be different because of that belief from this weekend forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,